Good afternoon, good evening, good morning everyone. Uh, I'm Martin Shaw, I'm a tax partner in the UK corporate tax team at Simmons & Simmons. I'm delighted to be here today with Andy Hartwell, our Head of Client Insights, who is going to be talking with me about the spring budget 2023, probably focusing a little bit less on the tax technical measures, a little bit more on the broader macro environment and what this means both economically and politically for the UK as we continue to move forward. I guess sort of diving in, Andy, you know, surprising as it might be after the um, excitements and the many fiscal events of last year, this was actually the first proper budget for 18 months. Um, what, what do you think the sort of main theme was that the Chancellor was trying to um, trying to get across? Oh, keep steady, um, steady the markets. Um, after the events of the, the last one or the penultimate one uh, in September of last year, what the one thing he was very keen to avoid was anything that was going to disturb the financial markets. And he achieved that um, greatly in terms of uh, equity markets and bond markets and sterling uh, remaining pretty much flat over the course of the whole right. budget itself. And, and so no change is a positive development as far as you're concerned? Absolutely none um, uh, at all from that from that point of view. Um, we'll come on, I think, and talk about the political context mm. um, in a moment. But um, there was, in terms of positive developments within the budget itself, I think perhaps the, the most significant one in the immediate context was the extension of the energy price guarantee to the end of June. Because yeah. that stopped household incomes dropping off a cliff um, in the second quarter. And that lies behind the new forecasts for the growth rate this year um, being slightly above the expectations that were set in the November uh, fiscal event. Yeah. And, and how credible do you think it is? Have we managed somehow to swerve a recession or do you swerve. think that it's still a little bit um, little bit close to call? Uh, I mean, it is. I mean, honestly, um, well, the, the, you're sort of dancing on the head of a pin, uh, really, because the new forecasts say the expectation for 2023 full out turn is negative 0.2% GDP right. growth rate, right? So you're in negative territory. So how come that's not a recession? Basically, they're getting they're swerving it by assuming that there's not going to be two consecutive quarters right. of negative growth. So you could have one in down, quarter two down and, up and, and down one again. in quarter four. Yeah. And yeah. Quarter. Yeah. Or this one, I suspect, is more likely quarter one is negative and then the remaining three are sort of positive, but not enough to offset right. the aggregate. OK, but and, and still, I guess, sort of in an international context, leaving the UK behind, which seems to be the consistent message from OECD, from other commentators, that other nations, other jurisdictions have swung back to sort of pre-COVID levels so, of growth. UK yeah, still a I, bit of... I, I think in, ter in terms of absolutely uh, GDP level, yeah. that's true, that the UK is likely then to still remain below its pre-COVID levels, whilst others have moved ahead. In terms of expected growth rate mm. looking forward and particularly into 2024, the UK on even on these current forecasts is sort of nip and tuck with the expectations that have been set, for example, for the United States and for the Eurozone overall. The Western developed economies coming out of COVID and the impact of the Ukraine war, much slower growth Right. than expected in the Asian uh, economies, China, India and Indonesia. And and in terms of 
growth, you know, clearly the big theme, you know, clearly a theme under the previous chancellor in terms of trying to energize the UK economy, trying to manage things like the productivity gap. So, so there was still maybe a hint of that shift again, wasn't there? Stability last year, growth this year, and trying to incentivize things like the um, the, the full expensing for ah. investment and that costing a lot of money up front, but effectively bringing forward investment to then generate growth at the back end of the forecast. Absolutely, absolutely right. Um, yeah, so that was a, that was a surprise, um, that, that that degree of expensing and the fact that it was full and immediate. Um, but I think it, sit, it sits exactly in that framing of trying to kickstart UK's um, so far flatlining productivity performance, more or less since the global financial crisis. And by the way, the UK not alone uh, in that. But today's measures um, around that full expensing, then also in that same framing, sitting alongside the announcement around childcare, for example, mm. to help uh, young uh, parents uh, and, and back into the work. Pensions and scrapping and, uh, a lifetime pensions. allowance and you know, uh, work, work, work longer and reap the benefits. Uh, absolutely. And, and and apparently very good for doctors um, uh, in particular on that. But yes, so trying to improve that longer term growth um, prospect through improving productivity. Yeah. And and in terms of, you know, as with some of the other measures, we've you know, got, as ever, references to levelling up these new levelling up partnerships. The 12, I think it is now, free zones, which are scattered around, you know, bits of the, the red wall, mm. um, shall we say. So mm. is, is is there a sort of political angle to to, to all of this um, in terms of where the Chancellor is positioning himself? No, I mean, I think, I think as, as you say, I mean, it's it is interesting that some of those are around the red wall, the battleground seats, and there was opinion polling very recently suggesting that given the lead in the opinion polls for the opposition Labour Party at the moment, that red wall um, would again turn red um, at the next general election. So clearly some political positioning for these investment zones to a um, generate local growth, but also as an opportunity to devolve more economic power mm. to the regions and fulfil some of the ambitions for the levelling up agenda. And, and, and you know, I usually finish with this question, so why spoil the um, spoil the typical question, the general election swingometer, where, where do you sort of sense we are now? Certainly to my mind, it didn't feel like the sort of pre-election giveaway so are we looking sort of later next year again i think i think so i mean the 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 most likely timing for the next general election has always been thought to be in 2024 either spring or more likely in autumn but either either one of those would imply another budget which could be the giveaway budget meanwhile however this one um did sort of start to prime those pumps a little bit with the EPG extension, I suspect, um, because the only thing that did move in terms of markets over the course of the budget speech itself were the betting odds um, in favour of a Labour government. So when uh, Chancellor Hunt stood up at the beginning of his speech, the odds uh, of a Labour government winning next time were around 66%. By the end of the uh, speech, those had dropped to 60%. So 
still a mountain to climb, mm. but more like Annapurna than Everest. <laughs> so in, in the foothills, but uh, in all, the foot all in the, the foothills. Direction of travel is you know has been improved. I'm sure they'll take comfort from that. Right. So you know, if if you were a betting man, we'd say you know come back next spring, have a budget, and then uh, yeah. shift into uh, election mode after that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, thank you, Andy, for um, for sharing those insights. And uh, yeah, no doubt lots to um, lots to watch out for. Indeed so. Thank you.